Hello everyone, I'm Nicolette and we're glad to have you joining our church community here at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. The Holy Spirit is mentioned in the first few words of the Bible. Jesus calls the Spirit an advocate, helper, counselor, encourager, and friend. The Spirit is in each of us. This is what makes us Christians, the indwelling of the Spirit. We have a helper living in us who has the power to serve and glorify Jesus every day. Have you ever had a moment you needed direction or an answer and you ask God for help and suddenly you're reminded something speaks to you with the clarity that you needed? That is the empowering of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit often works in quiet, mysterious ways when we don't even know, in us and in others. The Holy Spirit's goal is to bring glory to Jesus. When the Spirit is at work, Jesus will be the one to be glorified and exalted. Pastor Brian encourages us today to ask the Lord to fill us fresh with the Holy Spirit. How many, <laughs> I don't want to put anybody in the spot. And, and you know, when you ask people to raise their hands, maybe that is awkward for people. But does everybody know that prayer? I mean, it didn't sound like everybody was praying it. And it's okay. It's not, a, I'm not scolding anybody. I'm just saying, um, you know, obviously not everybody does know that prayer. So if you don't know it, then later today, when you get home, open your Bible to Matthew chapter 6, and you're going to find those exact words right there. Those are the words that Jesus taught us to pray. So just in case you don't know. All right. So as some of you know, uh, we have been in a long series in the Gospel of John. And we've been on a long break from our series in the Gospel of John because of Advent and because of all the different things we've been doing here in the month of January. But today we're back. We're back to John's Gospel. And what I want to do today is, is I'm going to kind of be looking at, uh, at statements that Jesus made from chapter 14, 15, and 16. Um, our last teaching in John's Gospel was the 14th chapter of John, Char taught, taught uh, John's Gospel, uh, the 14th chapter, for a couple of weeks. So next week, we'll pick back up and uh, pick up in chapter 15. But what I want to do today is, like I said, I want to focus in, not giving an overview of these chapters necessarily, but zeroing in on a very specific uh, subject that Jesus addresses here, and that is the subject or the topic of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus, uh, this is the most extensive teaching of Jesus on the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, in, in the Gospels, of course, there's references to the Spirit, and Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit, but it's here that Jesus teaches us about the Holy Spirit. And he's doing it in the context of his disciples. His Actually, in this case, it's the apostles that he's with. And they are filled with, with worry and fear and anxiety over the fact that he's saying to them that he's going to not be with them much longer. And as you can imagine, that would be a big surprise. They, they assumed if Jesus was the Messiah, they assumed that this was just the beginning of everything. So Jesus here in... These verses, five times in these three chapters, Jesus tells his disciples not to fear his leaving them, for it is 
his coming departure back to the Father that will result in the Holy Spirit being sent who will then be with them forever. So just a, a little uh, background. We as Christians are monotheist. The Christian faith is monotheistic. Monotheistic means we believe in one God, mono one, theos, God. Christianity is a, is a monotheistic faith, but so is Judaism, and so is Islam. So if you were to take like a comparative religion class or something, they would talk about uh, the three monotheistic faiths. And that would be the, the three I just mentioned. But the Christian understanding of monotheism is distinct and it's unique. Because as Christians, we are monotheists. We believe that there's one God, but we are also Trinitarian. We believe that that one God exists eternally in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, when we are talking about the Holy Spirit, let's just keep this in mind, we are talking about God. And I think sometimes Christians, they, they forget that or something, or they don't totally realize it. The Holy Spirit is, in, in some ways, is probably the, the person of the divine nature that we are maybe the least familiar with. I mean, some people think the Holy Spirit is just like some, some sort of a force or something. They don't recognize the, the personal nature of the Holy Spirit and that, that he is actually a person. But he is indeed a person. And so when we're talking about the Spirit, we're talking about God. But here, as Jesus is going to introduce us to teaching on the Spirit, he's going to talk about the Spirit in a very specific relationship to believers. Now, of course, the Holy Spirit doesn't just come onto the scene in the New Testament. Uh, the Old Testament has several references to the Holy Spirit. Uh, as a matter of fact, in the very first verses of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, we read there that, that God created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So right there, in the very beginning, we have reference to the Spirit. And, and again, going through the Old Testament and then coming to the New Testament. But the teaching, this is my point, the teaching on the Spirit here that Jesus is going to give us is he's going to talk about a very specific way that the Spirit is going to relate to us as his people. And he does that through um, what he calls the Holy Spirit. And in the verse that we read, I want you to notice back in um, verse 16, Jesus speaks of the Spirit, and, he, and here he's called the advocate. The advocate. The Greek word is uh, parakletos. 
Now, this word uh, is translated in, in various ways in different versions. So, the advocate, the helper, the comforter, the counselor, the encourager. It's even translated the friend. So this is what Jesus wants us to understand. He's, he's telling them, and through them he's telling us, that he's going to send another. He's going to go away. But he's going to send another advocate, another helper. Andrew Wilson um, is a uh, British pastor theologian, and he said regarding the word paracletus, he said, there are almost as many translations of this word as there are Bible versions. And he's really right, because all of the, the ones that I just used, the helper, the comforter, the counselor, the encourager, the friend, these are all from different versions of um, this passage. So the ESV and the NKJV and the, um, the NET and the message and all, all these different versions um, of scripture. You find these different ways because the word is, is a word that's so rich. It's hard to get the full um, implication of it with, with just one word. Uh, it's like the Hawaiian word aloha. Aloha can mean hello, goodbye, welcome, love, all at the same time. And um, the, the Hebrew word shalom is, is actually similar. Shalom, which could be interpreted peace, greetings, farewell, blessings, so you see, this, this word paracletus, this word has that same sort of a thing. And here we're using the NIV translation, and so it translates it as advocate. But the idea, it, again, it's, it, this is made up of two Greek words. Para, which means to come alongside. Think of, what the, think of the word parallel. What does parallel mean? It means that you're going alongside of something, right? If you have parallel lines, parallel lines are running side by side. So para means alongside of, and kletos means to help, to assist, to aid. And so that's the idea, that he is one who will come alongside um, to help us, and it even is translated um, encourage. In uh, the book of Acts, we are introduced to a man named Barnabas. And Barnabas, it says that his, um, he was known as the son of Paraclesis, the son of encouragement. And so that's the idea. The idea is that, as, as Jesus said, he's going to send the Spirit, he's going to come, and he's going to, in a sense, the Spirit is going to take over the ministry of Jesus. He's going to carry on what Jesus began doing. Now, he's also called by Jesus here in this passage, he's also called the Spirit of Truth. 
So the Holy Spirit, he's, he's called the Holy Spirit, and he's called the Spirit of Truth. So think about that really quickly. So the Holy Spirit implies holy, like God is holy, God is separate. And the biblical idea of, of holy, it, again, it, it's, it's, it's pretty, um, it's deep. Um, it, it means, holy means like com- completely different but it also has the idea of purity. And so the Holy Spirit is pure. That would be one understanding when we read holy. But also, um, the, the Holy Spirit is, is, tr- is um, the, the spirit of truth. So truth, of course, is the truth about God. The, the reality um, is the Holy Spirit deals in reality. The world is and always has been filled with lies, falsehoods, and deception. Demons are even referred to in the Bible as deceiving spirits. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, the one who reveals the truth, the one who tells the truth. So from the Holy Spirit, we are going to only be given the truth. Jesus is making that clear when he uses that. And then um, the Holy Spirit, as we've already sort of touched on, but the Holy Spirit is a person. He will do this, and I will send him to you. And so we see the Holy Spirit is not like, like, you know, in Star Wars, for example, you know, the forces, it's an impersonal force. It's not, it's not a person. It's just a, a force to be tapped into, not so with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person, just like Jesus and just like the Father. Now, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. So whenever the Holy Spirit is at work, uh, whenever the Holy Spirit is present, Jesus is there. And and we're going to see that more specifically in a minute. But understand it this way. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ who dwells in each individual believer and the whole church collectively simultaneously. So... Remember our Father in heaven. How is it that, that all of us have the same Father? Because all of us have the same Spirit. So the Spirit indwells us individually. The Spirit indwells us collectively too. That's a cool song, but um, maybe we... <laughs> thank you. Maybe we don't want it at this point. Um, so... What, what I want us to see when we think about the, the Spirit being the Spirit of Christ is that the Holy Spirit brings Jesus uh, present to all of us, personally and collectively. Uh, to quote Andrew Wilson again, he said this. He said, were Jesus the man still walking the earth, I could expect to get one billionth of his time and he would show up in my church about once every 20,000 years. 
the helper, by contrast, lives in me 24 hours a day, helps me in my weakness, prays for me, reveals truth to me, and comes with me to every church gathering I ever go to. See, that's, that's the beauty of the Spirit. This is what Jesus is saying to them. They're full of anxiety over, oh no, Jesus is saying that he's going to leave. Jesus actually says to him, this is going to be to your benefit. What Andrew Wilson is touching on is just think if, um, if Jesus was still here on earth. Just think if Jesus had just you know, risen from the dead and then stayed here on earth just like he had been before his death and resurrection. And he was just going about the planet doing his ministry. Well, like he said, we would get a visit from Jesus about once every 20,000 years. There's, he just, where, where's Jesus today? Oh, you know, he's down in some churches in India. He's making his way our way. Uh, and he'll be here in a long time from now. But the good thing is, no, he's here now. He's here with us. And he's with the churches throughout town. And he's with the churches across the country. And he's with the churches in India right now, too. And Africa and wherever else we might want to consider geographically. So that is... the reality of the, the, the presence of the Spirit and the presence of Jesus through the Spirit. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to walk through these five uh, things that Jesus says here in these three chapters about the Spirit, and we're going to just touch on um, lightly on the things that he says. And so beginning here with the verses that we already read, I want, to, I want us to look specifically at two things he said. He said, notice about the spirit, he said, the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. And then he said this, for he lives with you and will be in you. Okay, something to remember right up front. And this is something that sometimes we never think about when we read our Bible. We must always remember that, that the, the words that we're reading um, were first spoken to uh, a different group of people. And in this case, these words were spoken to a very small group of people. These words were spoken to 11 men. They were the apostles of Jesus. And the reason I'm saying that is because I want us to understand that some of what Jesus says here applied to them in ways that it doesn't necessarily apply to us. For example, here Jesus says the Spirit is with you and will be, future tense, in you. Now, that was true for them, but it's not true for us today because for them, the Spirit hadn't yet been poured out. That would come after Jesus died and rose again. And so we read later on in John's gospel, after Jesus had been raised from the dead, that it says he breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And it was then that the Holy Spirit came into them, indwelt them. 
But for us today, that's not the case. Because from that moment forward, everyone who believes in Jesus, the Spirit comes and lives in them. That's what it is to be a Christian. To be a Christian is to be a person in whom the Spirit of God lives. The Apostle Paul said, if, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So there, there's really, there's no such thing as a Christian who isn't uh, a, indwelt by the Spirit. This is what Christianity really is. It's the life of God in the soul of the human being. So Jesus said that that would happen. That did indeed happen. Now, in verse 26 of this same chapter, let's look at what Jesus said here. He said, and, and remember, um, the context is, is basically he's addressing the fact that he's, he's going to go away. So verse 25, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I said to you. Now again, this has primary application to those men right there, but it has a secondary application to us as well. But he says he will teach you all things. You see, there were still many things at this time that they didn't understand. But the Spirit would come and they would then, uh, they, they, would, they would be taught by the Spirit they would then know the things that they needed to know. They would know the full implication of um, who Jesus was and what he actually accomplished on the cross. That would come. And then he says that the Spirit would remind them of all that he had said to them. Now, of course, some in this group would later write down these things. We're reading what one of them wrote down. John wrote these down. So how does John remember all of this stuff? Well, John remembers this partially because the Holy Spirit enables him to remember this. So that was for them at the time. But we have that same kind of experience. The work of the Holy Spirit is to bring to remembrance the things that Jesus said in his word. And I would imagine you have, I know I have had many times where suddenly the Spirit will bring to my mind, uh, he will remind me of things that Jesus said or things that the broader word of God says. That is a ministry of the Holy Spirit. He does that for us. Now, jump over to chapter 15 with me and look at verse 26 of chapter 15. And here, when the advocate, the spirit, the helper, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. So he says that the Holy Spirit is going to testify of him. So the, the, this, is, this is the work of the Spirit. The work of the Spirit is to testify about Jesus, to point people 
to Jesus. And notice, when the Spirit comes, he will testify of me. And then he says, and you will also testify of me. And we're going to see in a second that this is one of the ways the Spirit testifies about Jesus is through us, the people of God. When Jesus, at the end of, of his ministry, perhaps you remember this, he says to his disciples, he gives them what we call the Great Commission. And what is the Great Commission? Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, preach the gospel. So he, he commissions them to do that, but then he says this. He says, but wait. So go into the world, but wait. Wait till you receive power from heaven. Because the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will testify of me. So you see, that's what happens when the Spirit comes upon uh, the people of God. We become those witnesses. We testify. And it's through the power of the Spirit that we are able to testify to who Jesus is. And, and uh, let me just say again, this is so important for the people that Jesus is speaking to. Now, at this moment, he hasn't, because we're not that far along in the story yet, he hasn't even given them the Great Commission yet. That's still yet to come. But they're going to remember back to the things that he said. Oh, he said that the Spirit will come and testify, and we will also testify. And they would understand that it's through the Spirit that that would, um, that we would be enabled to do that. Now, in chapter 16, and let's look at verses 7 through 11, we have a really interesting one here because this in this passage, Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit in relation to the church, but also in relation to the unbelieving world. This is the only place where Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit in relation to the unbelieving world. But notice what he says. It says um, in verse 7, of chapter 16, it says, but, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, listen, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Or, he, or another way, the NIV reads, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. And then Jesus gives an explanation for what he meant by that. And he said uh, about sin because um, people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world is judged. So Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit does have a role in regard to the world, the unbelieving world, and the role is to convict the world of sin. And he does that. And guess what? We have all had that experience. That's how we got here. <laughs> That's how we became Christians. We became Christians because the Holy Spirit convicted us of sin. 
And now Jesus clarifies the, the specific sin. And the specific sin is because they do not believe in me. You know, that's the, that's the one sin that in the end will condemn the world. There's all kinds of sins that one might commit. But the one sin that will condemn the world is the sin of not believing in Jesus. God sent his son into the world and whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Those that believe are saved. Those who do not believe are condemned and they're condemned because they did not believe in the name of the one and only son of God. And this is the, this is the verdict that light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil and they wouldn't come to the light. And so the Holy Spirit's convicting work is to show people that Jesus is the only way to be delivered from their sin. But then he says, secondly, the, the Spirit will convict or prove the world about righteousness. And this is an interesting one. Jesus says about righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more. And what Jesus means by this is that uh, the Holy Spirit is going to show the world what the standard of righteousness that God accepts is. You know, we create our own standards of righteousness. We create our own moral systems, and then we judge ourselves, and we judge others by how well they line up to the system that we created. You know, we talk sometimes today as Christians, we talk about how, man, you know, how immoral our nation has become, maybe, or how morality has just gone with a previous generation. But the truth is, our country, our culture, is just as moral and maybe more moral than it's ever been. It's just a different morality. But it's, it's every bit as rigid as previous moralities. And if you don't line up with the current morality, you get canceled. You get mobbed. You get assaulted, attacked, verbally, sometimes even physically. Because, wait, no, this, these are the new rules. This is what's important. This is what's true. And you better follow it or else. And all kinds of people think they are righteous because they're on the right side of history. And they think they're righteous because they've got the, the right view of whatever the, the topic might be. But according to Jesus, the righteous standard is him alone. Unless you conform to him and have his righteousness, you don't go to heaven. That's what he's saying about righteousness because I go to the Father. He's being about going into the presence of God. Nobody goes there unless they have that righteousness. And that's what the gospel is about. The gospel is about how we get that righteousness, and we get that righteousness through Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit convicts us of these things, convicts the world of these things. And then the last thing Jesus said, the Spirit will convict the world of judgment. 
And then he says, because the prince of this world is judged. The prince of this world is a reference to the devil. And the devil was judged at the cross. And even though the activity of the devil still goes on in the world today, the devil is operating on borrowed time because his, the sentence has already been passed upon him. And one day it will be clear to everyone that he has been judged and everyone will know one day that that judgment took place at the cross. But it's the Spirit who, this is what the Spirit does. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And he does it in two ways. He does it independent of any human instrumentation. Um, the Holy Spirit just mysteriously works. We don't even see the Holy Spirit working sometimes at all. Have you ever met a person, or maybe you've been a person, who there was no indication whatsoever that they were anywhere remotely near to becoming a Jesus follower? And boom, all of a sudden, it's like, wait, what happened to you? Now you're... you're you're talking about God and you're reading the Bible and you're hanging out with other people and you're, you're going to a church and, and you're actually kind of nice and so, you know, what, what happened? I didn't see this coming. I know the person might say, I didn't see it coming either. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit was at work. And I love this. I love the mysterious work of the Spirit where, man, you just, you don't even know that it's going on, but it's happening. It's happening. And, and this is why when we think about an outpouring of the Spirit of God, we say, Lord, pour out your Spirit because you have to go knock on the door of people's hearts. Some people are so shut up, so closed in. They are not, there's nothing that's going to penetrate, but here's the truth. The Holy Spirit can penetrate. He can get through. And he does. So he does it independent of humans, but then also the Spirit uses people, and he uses the church, and he works through <coughs> things like preaching the gospel. And of course, we just look in the <coughs> pages of the New Testament, we see the book of Acts, what do we see them going out doing? <coughs> they're going out preaching the gospel, and what's happening? People are getting convicted of their sin, and they're turning to Christ for salvation. And that still happens today, all the time. But not just preaching, but as we've talked about before, telling. Sometimes it's just you're telling the story of what God has done in your life. And the Holy Spirit is working in the person that you're telling to convict them of sin and of righteousness. And sometimes it's showing. Sometimes people look at your life and they see that Man, there's something different here. There's something powerful here. And the Holy Spirit is using that. And then, of course, there's also praying. As we, God's people, as we pray, Lord, pour out your spirit. Believing that, as Jesus said, the Holy Spirit um, convicts the world of sin. Lord, convict the world of sin. Nobody can come to Jesus unless they're convicted of sin. Nobody looks for a Savior unless they, they realize they're lost. 
So, Lord, we pray that you would work that in people's hearts. And so that is, that is the work of the Spirit, Jesus said. That's the, the, what the Spirit would do amongst the unbelieving world. And then lastly here in verses 13 through 15, notice here, verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All things, uh, all, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So here, three final things. He will guide believers into all truth. Now again, this was very, very, very uh, relevant to the group of men that Jesus was speaking to right here because they were to be the ones who were to pen for us the, the rest of Scripture, the New Testament. And the New Testament, the rest of the New Testament beyond the, the four Gospels and Acts is basically the explanation of who Jesus is and all that he did and all that he will do. And so they would be guided by the Spirit to know that. Like we saw earlier, he would teach you all things. Now here, more specifically, guiding them into all things. But he guides us into the truth as well. He guides us toward the truth. He helps us to recognize where we don't want to go because that's not true. But then he says, uh, he will tell you what is to come. And so this is speaking of the future. The, the Spirit would uh, inspire them to write about the future. The New Testament also contains information about the future, most notably the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation tells us where the future is headed, where the world is going, where it's all going to end up. But then the final thing he says is this. He says concerning the Holy Spirit, he will glorify me. He will glorify me. This is the delight of the Spirit. Remember, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all three persons are God. All are equal to one another. And yet the Spirit's delight is to glorify Christ. So when the Spirit is working in your life, when the Spirit is working in our lives collectively, when the Spirit is working in the church globally, guess what's happening? Jesus is being glorified. Jesus is being exalted. Jesus is being testified to. He is the Spirit of Christ. Now, Finally, I want to take you back just in your memory. You don't need to turn back there. But remember the very first passage we read where he, Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit. He said to them, he said, he's with you. He will be in you. But then there's one more way in which we are to anticipate the Spirit and that is the Spirit is, will come upon you. 
And so the Holy Spirit is, is with. The Holy Spirit is in. When we believe in Jesus, he is in us. He indwells us. But then Jesus said to them, remember, he gives them the great commission, go preach the gospel. But in Acts 1.8, Jesus says, but wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from heaven, for the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will testify of me. You will be witnesses to me. And so this, this final thing is the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us to glorify Christ, empowers us to speak for him, to be a witness for him, empowers us to serve God. See, Jesus never imagined a church that wasn't dependent on the Spirit. Never imagined a church that wasn't dependent on the Spirit. The, this uh, past week, my friend Sarah Yardley, she, she tweeted about a church leader that she'd met, and they were having a conversation about the Spirit, and he said, oh, the churches that I go to, there's not much of the Holy Spirit there. Now, I don't know exactly what that person meant, meant by that, but uh, needless to say, that's not good if that's the case. The Holy Spirit must be with us or we've got nothing going. And so we want to be filled with the Spirit. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5, 18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the idea there is keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. How do we be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, the simplest way is to ask. Lord, fill me up. Lord, I need you. I need more of you. Lord, baptize me. Friends, pray for me. I want to be filled with the Spirit. And so Jesus never intended us to try to fulfill what he's called us to do on our own. He has supplied us with the Spirit. And so as we finish up this morning, as we do normally, as we come to the table and we have the bread and the cup, and of course these things are all, um, they're, they, they're all part of the same thing. In John chapter 7, when Jesus, uh, he said, if anyone thirsts, come to me and drink. And out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And it says, John then tells us, this he said, speaking about the Holy Spirit, whom he would give, for he had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Well, Jesus has been glorified. He has been given now. And when we come to the bread and the cup, we're remembering that Jesus has been glorified because it was through his death and his resurrection that he was glorified. And so I just want to encourage you in this way. Today, as you come and as you take the bread and the cup and as you go back uh, to your place, I would encourage you to take this opportunity and to say, Lord, I want to be filled afresh with your spirit. 
Lord, I want you to pour out your spirit on me. Maybe you would say, I don't even know if I've ever had this experience. Well, here's the moment to say, Jesus, come. And maybe you don't even know if Jesus is indwelling you. Maybe you're not sure you're a Christian. Well, this is the time to say, Lord, forgive my sins and take up residence in me by the Holy Spirit and fill me with your spirit for your glory. Let's do that. And let's see what God will do. Father, we do pray that you would pour your spirit upon us in Jesus' name.